0: Welcome back
1: to The Sending Space. Uh, we're talking through the foundations of the gospel community, basically. So, the last episode we talked about what the gospel is, and so not just defining the gospel, but also seeing the bigger implications of how that shapes our life together and what we embody. Um, in this episode, we want to talk about the, uh, the other part of gospel community, which is the community side. And community, again, is one of those words that we, I think, take for granted, We live in communities. Um, Community has become sort of a church buzzword. Um, But I think it's important to kind of think through, like, what does that mean for us to be a community? And uh, and really the way that that we're trying to see it is we're saying, what does it mean for us to be a gospel community? It means being a family on a mission. Um, And so I'm going to just throw it over to Ryan here and let you run with that. What does it
0: mean to be a family on a mission? So the danger in... In going through all of this in this podcast setting, is that we can do what we often do, which is talk about something a lot uh, without really giving a great picture for how it plays out. Um, But I want to start with sort of the biblical uh, picture or vision of what things can be like. I always hesitate when we read uh, Acts 4 because. I'm not entirely sure that what the early church experienced in Acts 4 is intended to be incred- like totally prescriptive, meaning they experienced it, now every church has to experience it this way. But I think it would we'd all be hard-pressed to say that it's not a very beautiful picture of the way that a community of faith is working together, and that there's something there that we all long to see, uh, even if it doesn't look exactly like what the church in Acts 4 looked like. Uh, and maybe we're dare to believe that, that God could and, and will move us closer to this. I, in these gospel communities, I am believing more and more that it is possible to not just talk about this as some ideal, but to live much more in this way. Uh, but for years, uh, I have treated it as an ideal that was maybe unattainable in our current culture. So, um, let me just paint the picture for you. Uh, many of you have heard this many times before, but it's worth just thinking about it, uh. The passage that stands out to me is Acts 2, to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had in need. And day by day, tending the temple together, breaking the bread in their homes... They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And what's beautiful about this picture is that it encompasses, I think, what we would all consider family and mission together. That the that the the early church, at least in this instance, they found a way to where they were attending synagogue together. They were coming together. They were listening to the apostles' teaching. But then also there was a component where in their homes they were breaking bread and they were praying together and then they were sharing the things that they had. And they were clearly proclaiming the gospel as people were joining them. And we don't know what was the compelling thing. If it was that they were on the streets just proclaiming Jesus and more were joining into the, the community of faith or if people were attracted to uh, the, just the lifestyle that they had, or if it was, uh, you know, we don't know exactly all of what added to their numbers, but we just know that it's this picture of, of these people together, binding together, using their physical resources, uh, surrounding themselves around the the gospel, and, and then, um, and then seeing fruit from it, or people who are coming to know Jesus. That is, at the heart of what we're talking about with family on mission. Now you transport us all the way back or all the way forward to today's time and the way that life goes, happens today. And it's going to look different than Acts to church. Uh, It has to, I mean, everything is always different in the Bible, but I think the values are still there. I think the same value is that we were never intended to be solo in the bringing of the gospel And there's always been solo missionaries, but every solo missionary, Paul himself, would go into a community, he'd preach the gospel, people would come and be saved, and then they'd build a community that advanced the mission. So the community has always been, the family of God has always been vital to the establishment of kind of a foothold in an area, in a place, and it's never intended to just be this solo endeavor. So um, Hmm. we, we we fall... error, you know, or there's errors on both sides, you know, of that of that issue. But um it just strikes me while you're talking that uh we tend to prize like uh Jesus is
1: my own personal Lord and Savior and prizing an individual's growth spiritually, which is great, right? But we don't I don't think we really have a biblical example of what it looks like for a specific person to come to know the Lord and to develop this great spirituality. Like what we have is actually a bunch of stories of communities of faith that like where they encourage each other and I know there's individuals that stand out in there but they're like rooted always in communities totally and so you see the gospel going and spreading but it's not just taking root in individual lives although that's essential but it it's it, there's always a community feel to how the faith develops
0: yeah totally which is why
1: you have commands like uh, like in Hebrews that we we don't neglect meeting together
0: you yeah. know but we stir each other on and all that yeah and I mean a, a great example is like the person who immediately stands out, who feels, uh, who feels different than than this, is Paul. Who like seems like he's constantly breaking new territory and starting new churches, and and kind of you almost get this vibe that he's solo. But when you read about his journeys, he's not solo. He's mm-hmm. often with others, and he's always being sent from a body. Yeah. And I think the whole point is Paul is also like a very like he's an anomaly among the the figures we. Very few people are traveling from city to city establishing uh, new churches in areas. What's mostly happening back then and now is that there are a people of faith in an area who continue to bind together in the gospel and live out that gospel in that area. And it's kind of like saying like, oh, well, Paul had a solo endeavor, um, so we should too, is like, it's like saying, like, Moses spoke, you know, was spoken to by a burning bush, so we should too. It, 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 what, what we look at constantly from the beginning of the story to the end is that God has used some figures to establish new areas. And then there's a community. There's the people of Israel living out in a real place, in a real land, trying to embody the gospel or, the, or, or, or trying to embody the glory of God in the Old Testament. Um, and in the New Testament, trying to embody the gospel among a people. And that's, that's where most of us are going to live our lives, mm. everyday lives. Uh, and I think we really steal from the practicality of Family on Mission when we think of it as uh, like these solo adventures in, um, you know, gospel tracks and, yeah. um, you know, church planting or something, you know.
1: Yeah. Or we just leave the work of the mission stuff to a specific person or to a department yeah. within the church or something right, right. exactly so when, so when I see family on mission I think two pitfalls are family without mission or mission without family and as I think about that unfortunately I feel like that characterizes the church pretty well like one or the yeah. other like, like church many churches feel like a, a family without a mission so we are great at being together and whatever we like each other but there's not any really mission that's driving us there uh, anywhere from there um, or you can have a different kind of church that's so a mission-heavy church, but there's not really a family feel, so we're all just sort of being sent separately. And so one of the unique things we want to see with the gospel community is that we are a family, and that as that family, we are on a mission together. Yeah. And there's like a mutual feel to that whole thing.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Mike Breen has a book called Family on Mission, and he what, it, what he talks about in that book is he shares his endeavor as a pastor and how doing ministry in the church – was constantly separating him from his immediate family. He would go out and do ministry. His wife and children would stay at home. And he always felt like that was – it would always cause conflict or tension in the family. It always felt like he was going somewhere else separately from his family. It never felt like he could fully be – um, all in with his heart, you know, because it just—it was always this war, these warring values. Am I going to choose family? Am I going to choose mission today? Am I going to choose family? Or am I going to choose mission? And I think a lot of us live in that world right now. Like your kids are in sports or something, and you feel like, well, I got to take my kids to their sports. I got to choose family, like you know, and or I can, you know, you know, meet with my gospel community and choose to be together on mission, or, or I can choose to be with people I know who know Jesus and we can encourage one another, or I can go to this barbecue at my neighbor's house and meet people I don't know and be on mission. And it, we tend to separate these things out in our own lives quite a bit. And one of the freeing things that I know Katie and I have found is that as we begin to look way more locally at our own lives and our life as a family Uh, there are certainly people that I know that Katie doesn't know and people she knows that I don't know and people, my kids know that we don't know. But there are areas where our whole family overlaps, where we have met their kids, we've met the parents or would like to get to know the parents. And then so when they come over to have dinner, their kids play with our kids, we can connect over things that are common to us. And in fact, there's a lot of people who go to our church that that are part of those spheres where we can have them over. Like a good example is for us in the beginning of the summer, we had a family trip planned with another couple from the church. And so we went, we were planning to go to Pismo beach. We went to Pismo beach. The whole plan was to go to Pismo beach together. We were hanging out with another family uh, from uh, the community the night before we were heading out and uh, we were talking to them about the trip and we ended up inviting them to just join us on the trip. And they were able to make it happen and they decided to like stay in a hotel right next to the hotel we were at because ours was already booked. And they joined us for this two-day trip to Pismo. And what was what was awesome about it is spending time with that family was absolutely mission, but it was also just fun. I mean, it was, it was enjoyable. It was about being together with people. Um, our kids all kind of connected and it was all – it was effortless in one sense and yet – Totally meaningful in another sense is we got to know and invest in this family, and there was one family that was not part of our church, and one family that are family friends from the church, and and so I I feel like what I've come to taste and see is that when you can find family or a mission that fits well with your own immediate family and and you overlap with the family of Christ that you're a part of at Creekside, it's a very fulfilling thing to be a part of, and so it's not like you can't do it any other way. You totally can. But there's something really satisfying about having life feel more holistic and intertwined rather than having these separate spheres, you know, that you are constantly having mm-hmm. to make decisions about, you know.
1: Well, I yeah, I, and I think it, it's not always the easiest route, uh, but there's like a goodness in it that you find that you don't know until you try it. So I, I think like with my own family, um, with my two young daughters, we've had at times where it's like, we're, we're doing a, a gathering, we're getting together with some of the people from our gospel community and from our neighborhood and stuff. And uh and our girls have said before, like, oh I don't you know, I'm not really looking forward to it. Like, you know, maybe they had a hard time with some of the kids or whatever, and um, you know, their their friends from school aren't necessarily part of the group, and so like, oh, I don't want to do that tonight. Um but you know, we kind of give them a pep talk or whatever and we do it and we tell all mom and dad sometimes feel the same way and um but, but what's great is then what we try to do is afterwards to gather the kids back up again, uh, gather our girls up and say, girls, thank you so much uh, for being part of this. Um, Mom and dad tonight got to talk to, you know, so-and-so and they were really going through something hard and we were able to talk to them about Jesus and thank you. We couldn't have done that without you girls being part of this and making their kids feel at home and everything. And what I love about that is that it, it was something, you know, the girls didn't really want to do it right at first some of the times, but... Uh, we're able to like do something together and talk about it afterwards, and say this isn't just something that mom and dad do that you girls have to sacrifice for. This is something that we get to do together, and we will often talk about the mission with the girls in terms of, um, you know, are there any friends that that come to these things that that you could help feel more at home, yeah. and um, and so that that happens within our own family. But then I also see it happening with uh, within our larger group as we um, as we get together, like. We're, we all have busy lives, but as we sort of prioritize, let's get together. Let's make it a rhythm. Let's give it, give everybody a place to sort of belong together. Um, there's a connection that comes with the other couples too yeah. um, and other people that are coming as we just um, get to kind of invest in each other and, and not just like in the same way that we just talk about things that are mutually interest to us, but as we talk about who can we reach out to, a lot of the, the highlights that we see from our group times together um, is not just, oh, that was great. I got to talk about the music that I love with other people that enjoy the same music. But the highlights are often, I talked to so-and-so that was having a really hard time. We were able to encourage them. Um, it's the stuff that you'd think might be draining if you were just to plan it out. But there's something about that mission that if we can do it together as a family, it it doesn't just, you don't just sacrifice the family for the sake of the mission, but the family gets tighter as you pursue something together. Yeah,
0: and yeah totally. And I think what it also elevates is that when we are doing mission as a family, every role is critical. So your children having an attitude uh, that is like loving and accepting and open to uh, you know maybe not be hanging out with their favorite of friends but they're hanging out and loving the people that are around them. That's critical. the The house that you gather in, the person who took the time to plan the things so that you can gather together and have a place to do it or the person who's throwing the party that you're a part of they all become essential in the mission and I think that's why that's why uh, when you're talking about just doing mission as a solo adventure you don't get to elevate everybody's contribution everybody's contribution doesn't like weigh into your one random conversation you have at Starbucks with a person over a gospel track it's different it's a very different it's a, it's a solo adventure but when you're talking about doing gospel community in people's homes, bringing food, having a social situation where people feel loved and welcomed and cared for, uh, where you feel like there's, where, where children are encouraged to uh, care for people, well, they don't need to be talking about Jesus to embody the family of Jesus. And so so I think it just elevates all of the roles of like hospitality and the role of uh, the role that prayer plays plays into a huge thing. The role of loving people in a tangible way, rather than just talking about talking about it, and and so it, there's a big there's so much more. I think there's so much more to contribute, and so a more powerful message when uh, when the mission is a we thing rather than than an I thing. You know? So how do
1: you how do you keep? I think the church is sometimes good. My, churches I've been a part of, the tendency is to emphasize the family and to lose sight of the mission in the midst of that. So how would you say what are the effective ways of keeping the mission central to what we do together?
0: Yeah, that's a a really good question. That has been, I mean, for me, the journey of trying a lot of different things over the last, honestly, like decade of it. First step for my family and I was just figuring out what it looked like for us. But I think the other part is, where we're at now is how do we bring others along, you know, with us? How do we do this together, not just us? Um, And it's been, you know, what's been encouraging is I've seen some breakthroughs over this last year and they're just centered around some very simple things. Um, I mean, to be a family, you need to spend time together. So I have noticed when we started a year ago with our gospel community, that the families who have showed up the most and the most consistently are the most connected and share the, be- share the most of the heart that we do to be on mission. Those who show up sporadically, who invest, you know, when they can, uh, to them, they're, you know, it's harder for them to feel like they want to embody the mission or, you know, for us to really feel connected as family. So time doing things together is critical, and what I've also noticed is it doesn't even have to be o- overtly spiritual things. In fact, a lot of things. What I what I noticed is when I was leading a life group, my life group didn't always feel like family. It felt yeah. like an educational environment where we would learn together and support and pray for one another. But it didn't feel like we did stuff together. And that's what families do, right? Like you yeah. do things together. So, like our our gospel community went to. Donner Lake last a uh, couple weekends ago, and that felt like something a family does. And it, we we didn't have any overtly spiritual conversations while we were all hanging out and watching each other's kids. But yet while one of the moms pulled up whose husband wasn't there and needed their car unloaded, all the guys ran over, carried everything out of the car, took it up, set up camp, and all of a sudden you felt like a family, like we were loving each other and sharing and, and watching each other's kids. And And there's a lot that goes into that kind of thing. So Key is making time and spending time together. The other thing I've noticed is just telling stories, telling stories of people, telling stories uh, of things that you've tried to invite people into, uh, telling stories of things that were successful. So like, The family that joined us with Pismo, that was a successful thing. Sharing that story with people in our gospel community and with you guys is a way to say, look, here's something that can work or worked for us. And it's an encouragement. And there's a lot of little wins that happen all along the way. And there's a lot of failures that happen along the way. And both wins and failures are valuable things to share because the stories make it real. The hardest part is for us to take this conceptual thing of I know I should be a family on mission to what does it look like for me in my real skin, in my real life. And stories help make it make it real. So the more stories you can share, the uh, the the better, you know. Um, and so so anyway, so I think sharing stories is a huge part. And the last thing, uh, but maybe the most important, is that we have for a year now been praying for people by name. And it has been remarkable the way I've seen God move in the names of the people that we've been praying for. But, you know, we may have a list of maybe 10 people we've been praying for. I'd say three, four, five of those families. We've seen some tremendous opportunities to, uh, where they've opened up. They've come to us. They're going through crisis. They're pursuing relationship with us, not the other way around. And, um, and just doors open, like in crazy ways that we wouldn't have expected. So, I would say you make the time to spend together. That's what helps you make be family. You share stories with one another, and you pray for people who don't know Jesus by name. And it tends to bond you together. And it isn't complicated, but it's easy to fall out of the habit.
1: I like that none of those things are like strategy, uh, you know, five step kind of things. It's like uh, it's just basic stuff that keeps you focused on yeah. a mission. Um, and I, I like that because it's not, it's not overly
0: complicated. It's not something you have to take a course to train in. It's just oh, things totally. to be mindful as you're together. Well, and I will say this. Every strategic plan we had at the start of our gospel community, none of it worked. Hmm. I mean, the things we thought would work, the gatherings we thought that would work, that would bring people from the school yeah. into our house, didn't happen. All of, What we started to realize is as we would get together and pray for people, all of a sudden doors would open for us to hang out with them, with a, a few people from the gospel community, and that would build the relationship. And we didn't have to do anything different other than be open and seize those moments as they popped up. And so so I would just say my go-to in the past has always been strategy, and I don't think that's the Holy Spirit's go-to. I think it is absolutely about um, – Inspiring one another through the power of what God can do, the consistent belief that just because this may, I may not be reaping fruit now does not mean that God will not help us reap fruit in the future. And so calling one another again and again to kind of these same rhythms is huge and then seizing the opportunities that are before you. Uh, but the strategy is important, maybe initially, but it is not if you're, if you're strategic, you're only going to be as big as your plans, not as God's. And mm-hmm. God's ways are so much better. They're so much more permanent, you know. And um, they're, they're, he moves people in the soul, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that we can't strategically do, you know. One thing that comes to mind with that
1: also is just leaving some margin in your life to be able to pursue that kind of stuff. Because, yeah. uh, like I think of the, the parable of the sower and the sower is tossing out seed and some of it falls on the path and some of it yeah, uh, is like, you know, rocky soil, whatever. But there's there's one kind of seed that falls in and it starts to grow. And so there's like life there and the soil must be decent and it's growing, but there's all these weeds around it. And Jesus calls the weeds. He says it's the um, it's the cares of this world and it's the deceitfulness of riches that that destroy it. And I, I think that's a lot of us in the church where, there is life and there is growth but there's just so many weeds in our life so many things the soil is too crowded to allow a thing to grow and so uh, so for me if i want to have a family and if i want to pursue a mission both of those things require margin and space in my life to where the soil can be good growth can happen but there's also actually space for me to invite other people into my life or if yeah. i if i talk to a friend or neighbor or someone in my group and there's there's a conversation to be had that actually have space. Like, like first of all, like you said, even just being present to have that conversation, if you're not even present, then like, what's, what are you doing? Yeah. But, but even some of that is like, you know, even in our busyness, there's places we are, where we can clue into people, you know, yeah. very few things that we're doing without other people around that we can bless yeah. in some way. Right. Um, but I, I just find, you know, just leaving that, leaving intentionally, leaving space in your
0: life so that you can take time to linger when God opens a door for a yeah, thing. It's huge. I totally agree. And I would say where that feels impossible. Um, so I 100% agree with what you're saying. And I think having margin is huge. From my own experience, Katie and I are horrible at leaving a lot of margin. But I, what I would tell you, or any margin he, but here's what I have noticed. For us, a solution is um, the way we tend to make decisions more is like is prioritizing things, where if someone invites us to their house, it needs to be of utmost, and they're in like our mission field. Um, it needs to be critical that we say yes, like saying no, pushing it off, like even if that means that my kid's not going to go to their sport thing that night. It is critical that we invest in that relationship when the offer comes along and saying, okay, our life is full, but these are the things that we seize when they happen. Um, Mm -hmm. As opposed to um, creating a lot of blank space and going, okay, God, where are you going to move? That just never seems, this almost feels like there's never blank space. But what has happened in the past when we've fallen into maybe a less healthy family on mission rhythm is we're just constantly saying yes to everything that crowds out mission and putting off all the things that matter and making them second priority to our kids' sports or to things that we could like objectively make happen if we really, really wanted to. And I think we all know that there are things we all have probably have internal lists where there are things that we will make sure happen for sure. And, 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 Spending time with people who don't know Jesus needs to just be one of those things. Spending time with people in your gospel community just needs to be one of those things. And if they are and those come with you're willing to sacrifice other things, then you don't have to create a bunch of blank space as much as you create, you just push them up on the priority list and you have the mutual commitment to this is the thing we say yes to. Yeah. There have been so many nights where Katie and I are like, we would rather have a calm night together. We've been going nonstop. But this person in our gospel community is doing this thing. Yeah, you should go. I support you in going to that thing, and she'll say it to me, and I'll say it to her, and that's just a mutual commitment that we're okay. One night, one more night, we can do like one more night of crazy because we both know it's valuable, and it's that prioritization that makes it hard to, you know, to say no to the really um, thing, the things that you're more prone to just kind of let slide, you know every back burner. Every yes
1: to one thing is a no to another thing yeah. so it's just saying prioritizing what you know just
0: even considering the things that you tend to say yes to versus right. no totally. to it. or if a thing that like or canceling a thing that you said yes to one thing but then this thing came up with the people in your neighborhood or something and you being willing to say alright we're going cha- we're gonna, to we're gonna say no to that other thing because this thing came up and it's it's important, you know. And they only gave me two days notice, you know. Yeah. But it's like of more value, even though I've had this other thing on the calendar for three weeks. Because these things these things matter, you know. Um, so yeah. Anyway,
1: I'll just assume when you say no to my invites that you're hanging out with people in your neighborhood. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just television, but <laughs> that's all it is. Um, so I so I think like uh, as we talk about family on mission, I think um, the key is I think. I don't know what the key is but an important thing to consider is are we actually creating like a f- like family spaces so uh, I, I think in the church we have a high tolerance for like weird situations and we can we create weird situations but we get used to the weirdness of them and so sometimes I think we try to invite people in to belong in a space that is sort of inherently awkward like for no other reason than just that church culture has become comfortable with that yeah. you know um, and so I think I think as we try to shape our gospel communities, it's asking the question of: Are there things that we're doing that actually squash family together? Um, I, I know, like I've been a part of Bible studies where it's like, we come, we maybe small talk for a couple minutes, but then it's like, let's get down to business. We have this list of questions we need to answer, and we just march through answering kind of awkward Bible study questions, and uh, and then that's it. Everyone's got to run home because their kids have to get to bed and whatever. And I feel like we gathered, but we didn't really gather as a family. Like, we gathered mm-hmm. to answer questions, and it didn't feel like family. We didn't foster family. Um, and so I, I, I want to say, like, as we think through how we're going to gather together, um, are we doing it in a way that actually feels like family? Yeah. And yeah, are we so important. And are we doing it in a way that, like, if we invite someone else into it, is it, is it going to be weird for them? Like, I think if you, if you find yourself afraid to invite friends, neighbors, coworkers, whatever, to join you in a certain space... Uh, then ask, like, why? Why am I, like, nervous about inviting them? Is it because I've just created, like, a weird space? Yeah. And is there a way that you can sort of redesign that space to make it less weird so that it becomes the kind of thing that you enjoy and that you then want to invite other people into? Right.
0: That's such, yeah. I I, I hope that this is freeing to, to, to people. But I think, uh, so... I have led lots of small groups lots of Bible studies some of them have been really good some of them have been okay some of them have felt like a little futile honestly Um, but but I think what happens is you fall into a rhythm of we get together we ask what's going on in our lives we read the Bible we pray for one another we get together we ask what's going on in our lives we read the Bible we pray for one another and that has a, a huge space but that is not that is not always, uh, that's not, well, that's not what I do with my family. It's not what I do with my own immediate family, the family from which I'm a child. It's not what I do with my, uh, my children is family is created by doing enjoyable things together and sharing real life and then seizing moments to talk about real valuable things. Best conversations I've had with my kids, best conversations I had with my dad. They happened in, in times where, um they might have been unexpected or we were doing we were out doing something. And I, I think it's just really important to free yourself from the rubric of Bible study. Um, Bible study is not the same as, as, as feeling like a family. And and so you should now study the Bible together. That's great. But if it's not enjoyable, and if it wouldn't like Mark said, if it if it wouldn't be enjoyable for an outsider to come and join you in. Then why are we doing it? Because the people of faith should it should should be enjoyable. It should be fun to do what we're doing, and um, and a little bit like you know, I I guess creative. You don't always eat at the same restaurant all the time, and you don't always you know do the same thing when you get together with your family over you know uh, over whatever you're doing. So let me give it like a practical example rather than just conceptual ideas. So, like, our gospel community has done a couple different things. When the guys have gotten together, we decided, like, we were tired of just gathering either at the church or in homes. So we decided that we were going to go to a bar on, like, a Sunday night, and we did our, like, a guys group in a bar. But by guys group, I mean we gathered together at a bar. um, We sat at a table. We shared what was going on in our lives. We prayed for one another. We told a lot of stories, and it was fun. And also of real value it was it was enjoyable, but it was real and and from that came real challenge. We did another night at our house where we just had a bonfire, and we talked about social issues and Jesus's perspective on them and what that what it, how Jesus would shape our perspective on things that are very controversial uh, in in this day and age um, so that was really valuable time it was helpful for us, but it was but it was fun and it was, it was different and it's life giving. So I think those, those examples just help to free you from maybe the mindset of we gather each time we do the same thing. Um, because, because families don't always operate that way. And I, my family seldom operates that way. We try to think of things we'd like to do together and then we infuse meaning, um, as a way to talk about the things that matter, you know? So Francis Chan has this
1: illustration that I like where he says that in the church, we're often like a football team that just huddles together, and but we never run any plays. Like We just keep huddling, and then we huddle, and then we huddle, but we never do any actual plays. And I think a lot of the times, to me, that makes me think of what we do with Bible study, where it's like every time as a church we want to get together, it has to be Bible study. And obviously, there's nothing wrong with Bible study. It's so huge, and it's, it, the, the Bible is our foundation for everything, and it, it's this source of life and connects us to life and everything. But if all we ever do is get together and talk about the Bible, then we're never actually doing anything. And so a lot of it is just having to say, okay, let's let's study it. Let's let scripture shape us. And then let's go out into real life situations where we can actually, you know, we, we study Acts 2 about the church caring for each other. And then we close our Bibles and we step out into the real world together into situations where we actually can love each other and reach out to other people. And um, it's not leaving the Bible behind. It's beginning to look at the world through the lens of the Bible and... Um, so I think so much of just family on mission means that we we find ways to connect with each other as family, to foster that family feel, to not to, to get rid of the elements that squash the feeling of family, um, but to to let that like be a real thing in our midst, and then to keep the mission central as we pray and we tell stories and we remind each other, um, and then and then basically if we're as we think through our gospel communities, thinking how do we shape are gatherings together, different types of gatherings for different different purposes, I suppose, but trying to shape those things around that idea of let's be a family, let's be the kind of family that has a mission.